If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Turn to Romans chapter 12. I'll begin reading in verse 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find this on page 948. On page 948. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. When salvation comes by God's grace, and God's grace makes him or her a new creation, that new creature is born again to glorify the Lord. God has had mercy on those who have been born again through the work and the blood of Jesus Christ. Many times during this season of the year, we don't properly think of Christ as we should. Mankind, they are sinners separated from a holy God. And to fix this problem, God had to come to this earth. He was the payment for our sins. And we, the redeemed, we have been entrusted with the gospel. The very foundation that has saved us from our spiritual grave is now the very foundation that we are to rejoice in. And we are to proclaim as the Lord's children, as the Lord's bride, 
The Lord has made us born again. Therefore, as Paul is instructing those in Rome, in Romans 12, the marks of a true Christian, those who have born again, they live, we live a certain way. And as God's church, his people, we have been graced with at least one spiritual gift. Our gifts, they they differ from one another. But each gift is essential. We need it. As Paul has already told the church in Corinth, we cannot say, I am an eye, but I don't need a hand, or I don't need a leg. Every part is essential within the body of Christ. Each member or part of the body of Christ is necessary. You are essential as well as your gift. God has saved you for a reason and placed you among His elect in this local church for a divine purpose. This local body needs your gift for God's glory. Last week, if you were here, Blake challenged us as a congregation to meditate upon the verses found in chapter 12, and I hope you took up his challenge. I did. that we will all be found faithful stewards of what God has given to us. If you're here and you're not a member of a local church, if you're not using your gifts for the glory of God within a local church, God's will for you is that you are a member of a local church using your gifts. Today's verses, they stress the importance of what is needed in our lives as God's children. They teach us how we as a church, how we as Christians are to function. As we strive to live holy lives before the Lord, we need verses 9 through 15 of chapter 12. Look at Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Paul stresses to those in Rome, just like he did to the church in Corinth, the need for love. Now, not not love how the world defines love, but how God defines love. As his creatures, we are not allowed to redefine, to redefine what we think love is. Without love, according to Scripture, God's holy word, we are annoying. That's the picture that we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, we're like a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. Without love, the bride of Christ can be annoying. It says, let love be genuine. That is sincere. That's without wax, without hypocrisy. Wax was used back then to hide cracks in pottery. And the only way to find it out was to hold up the pottery up to the sunlight coming through and to turn it, and you could see where the cracks were. But the cracks were used, they would put wax on the cracks to hide it so they could sell it, to make a profit out of something that was actually cracked. When I think of fake people, I think of those in high school that would sign my yearbook at the end of the year 
And along next to their name, they would put, call me this summer and we can hang out when we never really hung out throughout the year. Sometimes in our greetings here with people at church or some of the comments that we make, our love for one another is to be genuine. It's to be without wax. Our yes is to be yes. Our statements that we say are to be true and amen. We are to be the people of God without just saying it with our mouth and our lips. When our love is not genuine, we are acting We are wearing a mask. We are pretending to love. And this is not the way of Christ. Christ never pretended to love. And this should not be our way as God's children. Real and sincere love that has hands and it has feet. Real love serves. The Lord has empowered His children to love. Therefore, our love is to be genuine. Our love is to serve. Our love is to get to work. It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Pastor James Montgomery Boyce points out in his commentary that the Apostle Paul never defines love in Romans 12 or in 1 Corinthians. He simply talks about how love functions. That if our love is to be genuine as Christians, we will dislike or hate what is evil and we will hold fast and grip tightly to what is good. Love is not a mere word usage. Love is not an inward feeling alone. Love does and love does not. Love works. It is not neutral. As the body of Christ, we don't say we love God and we do nothing. Christians are to love according to the love of God, not like the love of the world that declares, just be you and do whatever makes you happy. Real love abhors what is evil. That is, you dislike or you hate what is evil. You hate your own sin. As Paul said, wretched man that I am, I do the very things I don't want to do, and what I do, I don't do. Wretched man that I am. If we are to love We will not hold on to what Christ came to die for. We don't hold on to those things and cherish those things. We hold on to Christ and we cherish the love of Christ. To love is to hate what is evil. To love is to not partner with or enjoy what caused our separation and spiritual death. We might be thinking maybe this word hate is strong. You know the Lord hates, right? Proverbs 6. There are six things that Yahweh hates. Seven that are abomination to Him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness that breathes out lies, and each one sows discord among brothers. Real love hates what is evil. But real love also holds fast to what is good. Cling to what is good. Be glued to what is good. Be cleaved to what is good. Love hates what is evil according to God and clings to what is good according to God. We don't get to define according to ourselves. 
Love is according to God. We hate what is to be hated according to God, and we love what we are to love according to God, which means as Christians, you and I have a responsibility of knowing the word. This points us back to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul appealed to them. He, he begged them. He said, look, you must be having a mind that is transformed. You must get into the word that man wasn't live. You aren't to live on bread alone, but on every word that has come out of the mouth of God. That's why we stand for the reading of God's holy word. We stand because God has breathed it out. He has preserved us for us to know it. And the pastor's job is to get up here and to preach the word and to give them Christ. Now we will lie. Our life will be self-centered. We will develop wicked plans. Gossip and slander will take place. The world will direct our evil trajectory because we will conform if we do not have a transformed mind. I didn't hear a single amen because we were all inwardly saying, ouch. This past week, we've all fallen short. That is a reminder for you of why Christ had to come. That's a reminder of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished. Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Here it is. It's describing how we are to love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul instructs us in great detail in 1 Corinthians 13, the way of love. But here in Romans 12, he provides actions for the church. He uses nine nouns that we are to represent. Nine nouns that image our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's look at at these nine together as we break down these four verses. Number one, love one another with a brotherly affection. That is to be devoted to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a filial love. We're to have great affections for those whom Christ has purchased, others whom the Lord has adopted. Over the last few months on Wednesday nights, we've been walking through Philippians And one of the comments that uh, Jeremy Martinez has made over and over and over again is as God's church, we don't gossip about one another. We don't treat other brothers and sisters in Christ as if they are lost. We love them. That is what we do. We don't slander. We don't gossip. And one of the main things that we see a lot of this in our day is social media. People will say things, comment about things, things they don't know, people they don't know. But don't think that just because we don't do that online that we're not doing it in our hearts, in our minds. Love one another with a brotherly affection. We're to have great affections for those whom Christ has purchased. 
Others whom the Lord has adopted. Boyce put it this way, our devotion to one another is not to be a matter of liking, but of life. See, when you and I like things, that, that means we do things now and then. I like to go to Walmart every day. I feel like that's been my life lately. He's saying, your love for brothers and sisters in Christ, that's how you are to live. The contemporary church will never have the power of the early church until today's Christians love one another as a close-knit family. In the early church in Acts 2, they, they were devoted to the scriptures, they were devoted to prayer, they were devoted to fellowship, they were devoted to the breaking of the bread, and they were even devoted to selling off their possessions to provide for one another. To love one another with a brotherly affection is not a matter of liking, but of life. We're to be devoted to one another as a close-knit family. We care for, we cry with, we provide. We walk with one another. We learn with one another. We ask for forgiveness when we sin. We pray for one another when they are hurting. We pray over them when we are around them. We worship the Lord with them. And the list goes on. We are to love one another. But Paul didn't stop there. He says, number two, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, when we hear these words, outdo one another in showing honor, Immediately, if you are very literal in thinking, you're thinking, all right, this is a contest. I'm going to win. He's saying, give preference to one another. Lead the way in respecting and loving and caring for one another. That means you don't wait for instructions. A, a Christian gets to work. You honor others. You don't desire or seek self-praise. You have appreciation for other Christians. To the church in Philippi, Paul put it this way, count others more significant than yourselves and look out for the interest of others. We are to outdo one another in showing honor. Number three, do not be slothful in zeal. The last few years, the sloth has become extremely popular. See it on shirts. You even have shirts that we, people wear around the house or Snoopy that says, not today, or I'll get around to it tomorrow. Christians are to not be slothful in serving the Lord. You don't lag behind in diligence to do what you know should be done. You don't be lazy or become weary in doing good. The diligence, the word diligence here can also be translated as business. We are not to stop doing the business that we should be doing as Christians. And Christians have a business to do. It is to be our life. We can become easily discouraged, sluggish in our Christian life the longer we live and the more trials that we go through. But we are to use our God-given energy to serve the Lord no matter how much we have left. And for this to take place, we need right thinking. Our mind needs renewal in the Word of God. We must remain steadfast and not lazy. 
Before you know it, we can get to the point to where we don't want to read God's Word. We don't want to pray. We want to do what we want to do. We are not to be slothful and zeal. We are to do what we know as Christians we are to do. And this is not because we are trying to earn our salvation or get in good graces with the Lord. A person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're not working for our salvation. Our salvation is secure and it's been done and accomplished by Christ. We look to Christ and we praise Him and we live. Number four, we're to be fervent in spirit. That is, be hot in spirit. Be productive. Have energy for the things of God and have energy for His people. Those who don't have a love for the church don't understand that they were adopted into a family. We might talk of being tired, but the question is, why are we tired? Are we working for our own kingdom or are we tired because we are laboring for the Lord? Those who are fervent in spirit, they're not bored with their life, neither are they boring to others because they're focused on Christ. Number five, they serve the Lord. Our service is unto the Lord, not men. We are to serve the Lord as our Savior did, without reservation. That is the full giving of ourselves to the Lord for His glory. We serve the Lord, that means we also serve His children. Serving the Lord's children for His glory, that reveals maturity. While the lack of it, the absence of it, reveals a new believer or a man or a woman who is still on milk and self-focused with personal gain and their eyes set on personal preferences. We are to serve the Lord. Number six, we rejoice in hope. Christians should be joyful because of salvation. I was reminded of this this past week. That the testimony of a dear friend, that they were joyful because of their salvation, even though they were dying. In their final breaths, they talked about the truth that you may be seeing all the lights at Christmas time and all the different things that are given. I am looking forward to being with Christ. We're to be joyful as God's people. Our joy is not based on circumstances or the pain that we're suffering right now or what we're going through. Our joy is based upon Christ and we can be joyful no matter what earthly circumstances we are going through. We're to rejoice in the confident promises of God. It's almost 2023. You do know that the Lord is going to return. I don't know when. But He's going to return. He's going to gather up His children. Every promise that He has given is yes and amen. Our trust in and work for the Lord is never in vain. It's only vanity when we are wasting it building up our kingdom. R.C. Sproul said it this way, the New Testament concept of hope has to do with absolute certainty that the promises of God for the future, they will come to pass. 
Faith looks backwards, trusting in and relying on what God has done in the past. But faith also looks forward and finds its anchor for the soul and the future promises of God. That is the foundation of our joy. That Christ has come, that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, that Christ is right now interceding for us, and Christ will return. We are to rejoice in hope. Number seven, we are to be patient in tribulations. That is, persevere in tribulation. Persevere in affliction. Keep going in times of trouble. We are reminded, as God's child, we are not above our master. Christ suffered, so will we. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.12 In our journey home, be patient in your suffering. Glory is coming. Glory is approaching. Continue until your mist is over. And your mist is not over until Christ says it's over. And he will bring you safely home. And be encouraged. Christ is with us. We are not alone. When our time on this earth is through, we will be forever with him because the Lord is the one who ushers us home. God is at work in our tribulations, even if you cannot see it and you do not understand it. He is at work in tribulations just as much as he is at work in your seasons of calmness. Be patient in tribulations. Number eight, be constant in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Continue in prayer. Persist in talking to the Lord. We need God's help in all things. Therefore, we go to him. That, I mean, that, that's what we do. Like, if we know we need help in all things and the world doesn't have the answer and we don't go to God, how foolish are we? 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it's God's will that we do this. That we are to be dependent upon the Lord. We are to repent of our sins. We are to think upon the Lord. We thank the Lord for all of his many blessings. We ask the Lord. We petition him. We bring requests, not only from our lives, but from brothers and sisters in Christ, from church family. We remind ourselves of God's amazing attributes. We remind ourselves of God's grace. We're reminded of his throne, his kingdom, that he is king and the enemy will not prevail. We come before the Lord, we ask for wisdom, James 1.5. We repent with whatever sin that we have done, just like David did in Psalm 51. I do not recall a season in my life in which I have not needed prayer. I only recall times in which I should have been praying. We are to remain men and women of prayer. We are to be constant in prayer. And number nine, which I, I think is highly neglected because of the other eight, contribute to the needs of the saints. We, we give ourselves to the fellowship with the body of Christ and we give our gifts to the body of Christ for the glory of God. 
That is, you give, you practice, you show hospitality to those in the local body in which you are active with. The key word there is active with. Scripture says, don't neglect gathering together as is the habit of some. If you're not an active member, you're a disobedient member. You contribute to the needs of strangers and yet they may be saints. Love gives, love shares, love is hospitable. Know the needs of the saints around you. It's okay to ask what they are. It's actually okay to walk up to a brother or sister in Christ. Hey, how can I be praying for you? Do you have any needs in which I can be lifting up to the Lord in prayer or physical needs in which I can meet? That's what family does, right? Love gives, it shares, it is hospitable. Know the needs of the saints around you. Know what people are going through. Know what you should be praying for. Discover their physical and spiritual needs. Grieve with those who are grieving. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. You provide for your spiritual family. When a church is self-focused, and it's full of absorbed people, what you find is an annoying church without love on the path to death. On the other hand, when a church fulfills what is in these verses, it is attractive and the beauty of Christ is on display and the people are so humbled to the truth that God is conforming them more into the image of Christ. That is what the beauty of the church is. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Go the extra mile. Not for you, for them. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope for what Christ has accomplished. He's done it all. Be patient in tribulations. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. The fact that we celebrate God coming to earth, God putting on flesh in this world and living. Think about his 33 33 years of life. He obeyed the Lord perfectly in those 33 years. Not one sin, not one mess up, fully serving and giving glory to the Father. If we did these nine items, if this church did this, if every member were doing these things, what needs would there be? What complaints could we possibly have except our own failures to love? We would just look inwardly. If this church image Christ in these nine ways, not only will we enjoy the Lord more, not only will we glorify the Lord more, but we would follow the ways of this world much less. The world, in fact, might glorify God because of the love that we have for one another. And the way to see to this is not to make a list and work at it. We don't write these nine things down and put boxes next to it and try to check off all nine throughout the week. The way to do this is to have a transformed mind by meeting with Christ every day. One of the biggest failures of Christians is to come and to sit 
whether it's on Sunday morning, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's a small group, and you hear about people talking about how their time was with God, not knowing that you can climb that mountain and meet with God yourself. We are to have a transformed mind, which means we are to pursue Christ. We are to commune with the Lord and image Him, walk with the church and serve as Christ did, and be prepared for persecution. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Jesus spoke this way in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Christians are not to hate or curse those who persecute them, but pray for them. When's the last time you've prayed for your enemies? We are to desire God's blessing upon the lives of those who persecute us. We are to want salvation to come to them. We are, in fact, to beg the Lord, say, Lord, would you use me in allowing me to preach the gospel to them so that they may be saved and to walk with them? We are to desire God's blessings upon the lives of those who are our enemies. We are want salvation. Luke 6, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. From those in the church or outside the church, we are to want and pray for the blessing of God upon the lives of others. This is a mark of a Christian love. We're not to wish ill or desire harm upon our enemies. Even when we are being persecuted, we remember in our minds that unless they are redeemed by God's grace, they are only doing what is natural to them. Why are they acting like this? Why are my children acting like this? Why are my neighbors like this? Why do they use this language? Why do they do that? Because they were born a sinner separated from God in need of salvation. When Paul was Saul, the garments of those who killed Stephen, they laid at his feet while Stephen was being stoned. Later in life, Paul was redeemed and became the vessel to carry the gospel to the Gentiles, authoring many letters, including this one. Our love for one another is not to end with the Christian community. We are to love our enemies. We are to love those who persecute us. We are not to desire evil upon the lives of others. God's children are not to react to evil with evil. We are to respond with love. Matthew 7, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. When Christ was crucified, as he was hanging on that cross, after they had nailed a spike through this wrist and this wrist and one large spike through the bottom of his feet, he said, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. When the future Apostle Paul stood by at the stoning of Stephen, he heard Stephen say, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. We cannot ignore the lost world around us because we desire our precious comfort We are called to have preciousness in Christ. We are called to a life of love for the glory of God. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those 
who weep. In other words, love is never to be on vacation, but something that drips from our lives at all times for the glory of God, not to receive praise from men, but to look up to the Lord and say, Lord, as you have loved me, I am going to love you this day. Be glad for others in their times of God blessing them. In the valleys, walk with one another. This is to be the life of Christians. Just like today, December 25th is extremely hard for many individuals. They've gone through many things this past year. They have memories of things in the past. We are to walk with them, love them, pray with them, encourage them, spur them on. We don't pull away when times are difficult. We allow others to walk with us. We don't ignore the pain of others. We mourn with those who are weeping. The hurt of others should actually cause us to weep as well because we love the Lord and we love His family. Sometimes we're on the grieving end. Sometimes we're on the giving end. Sometimes we're there for a shoulder. Sometimes we need a shoulder. All this teaching is for the church. The church is to walk with each other. Just like today, most individuals, they're preaching on Christ coming. And we have talked about that this morning. Christ has come. And for the Christian, that means we have a life that has been given to us by His grace. We have been born again. We are a new creation. We are a new creature. And that means we will live for Him. It's not that God cleans us up and then perhaps we will worship Him. It says no. God's Word gives us the promise not only of justification, but of sanctification. And in our sanctification, we know that there is a future that is coming in which we will receive glorification. All this teaching is for us as Christians. John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. I think Boyce was exactly right. The reason why the church has lost so much power today has nothing to do with Christ, has everything to do with the fact that we are not loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sincere love begins and ends with Jesus Christ. Every single member of the body of Christ is essential. You may be thinking, I, I don't feel that way. We don't live by feelings. We live by truth. Your gift is just as important as my gift. If God can use a fool like me, he can use a fool like you. Sincere love begins and ends with Christ. It doesn't start with you and continue with you. Christ does it. Every member of his household is essential. And there are other members in which he has not called yet, in which we are to be using our gifts for them even now. Love does things and love does not do things. 
We are called to pursue Christ and live our life with a transformed mind, imaging our Savior. So let us contribute to the needs of the saints in this church. If you're not a member of a local church, this church is here. If you are a member of a local church, but you haven't been faithfully serving, get to work. Use your gifts. If you don't know what your gifts are, serve. You'll figure it out. Contribute to the needs of others. Let us not become weary in doing good. Since COVID, many of us have become weary. We have experienced depression and heartache and difficult seasons. Don't become weary in doing good. Keep pressing on and looking to Christ because your life is but a vapor. You're here one second and you're gone the next. Remember the promises of your Heavenly Father. Remember the example that you have in your Savior, Jesus Christ. Care for one another with the love of God, how God has defined love in His Word, how He shows it is expressed, and we find it here in Romans 12. The church is to be a gospel-displaying community for the glory of God. The gospel-displaying community for the glory of God is does not just happen on Sunday from a stage. It happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It happens when nobody else knows it, when someone is praying for a brother and sister in Christ in their closet. It happens when they're delivering food or gifts or giving without the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing. This is what the gospel of God does to an individual. It's to transform their life for the glory of God and the church is to image that together. So let us be a gospel displaying community for the glory of God. Remember, Christ came to save sinners. He gave his life as a ransom for many. That's not just for glorification. That's also in sanctification in this life. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Forgive us when we have failed to live by it. When our minds have not been transformed. When we have been conformed to the things of this world. When our our greatest desires, our own personal pleasures, our own gain. Not just today, but every day. Through the reading of your word, through prayer, remind us and mature us in the understanding of how great Christ is. Give us a level of understanding of the glory and majesty and worthiness of Jesus Christ, of of knowing what it is to commune with the Spirit of God, to knowing what it is to have a blessed trinity in which we can cherish and adore. As you are faithful to reveal our sins, Lord, I pray that we would confess those before you. We would turn from them and we would live a life that pleases you in all things. Doing these things, Lord. Caring for one another as the body of Christ. Using our gifts 
among one another for your name and for your glory. Not stopping to pray. Lord, help us to stop and pray. Help us to be men and women of prayer, to pray without ceasing, knowing that you are never ceasing in your work and looking upon us and doing your will. Father, for the soul that's here who thinks they can earn their salvation, that thinks that their, their good could one day outweigh their bad, Lord, convict them of their sin. Draw them to you by your Spirit. May they repent of their sins and believe upon Christ and Christ alone in his finished work, Lord, for their salvation. Our good can never outweigh our bad. We need Christ, and that's why God had to come. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a family to walk with, to live with, to worship you, to rejoice in Thank you for brothers and sisters who can come alongside us and encourage us and spur us on. Thank you for giving us gifts in which we can spur on others because it's all about your glory, how good you are, how undeserving we are. It's in Christ's holy name we pray and ask these things. Amen.